global business news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. From Bloomberg World Headquarters, I'm Catherine Cowdery. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg Radio. Let's go over to the first word breaking news desk for today's afternoon call with Bill Maloney. Bill? Good afternoon, Catherine. Stocks are lower, but well off their worst levels, with the Dow only down 11 points now. S&P's dropped 5, and the Nasdaq declines by 30. At one point, the Dow is down 113 points. The small cap 600 falls 5 points, and the U.S. 10 yield at 2.16%. Seven of the main 11 SB sectors are trading lower, led by losses in materials, energy, and technology, real estate, and utilities-led. Nasdaq Bitechs fall 31, transports gain 13, semis sink 9, and the VIX is up by 2%. Leaders to the upside in the Dow are Caterpillar, Boeing, and Procter & Gamble, while Nike fell 3.2% to lead to the downside. Regarding other movers, Kroger plunged as much as 19% after cutting its forecast, Whole Foods dropped 6%, and Harley-Davidson jumped intraday, rising as much as 3.1%. Live from the First to Break News Desk, I'm Bill Maloney. Catherine? Thank you, Bill. Uh, that was uh, to hear live breaking news over your Bloomberg type SQUAK on your terminal. West Texas Intermediate crude down 33 cents a barrel, three quarters of a percent to 44.40. Spot gold down $19.10 a ounce to 1256.80. Ten-year Treasury down nine thirty seconds with a yield of 2.1568. And that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Over to you, Carolyn Corey. Catherine Cattery with the Bloomberg Business News Flash right here on Bloomberg Radio. Still, I want to Co-founder of Next Capital is next to us right now, with or without the temptations. <laughs> I like uh, it. I like it. Ralph Forger, Norman Stovermont, is with us here at the Pershing Insight uh, 2017 conference here in San Diego. Uh, and glad to see you, Rob. Um, uh, last year, uh, we talked to you about um, sort of um, seeing advisors with you to get more digital uh, experience, get in front of their, their customers with digital products. What's changed in the last year? Adoption. I think uh, there's there's a few things. I think it, <clears throat> I think there's a realization in the marketplace, broadly speaking, that uh, that the uh, that the investment management industry is going digital. Uh, period. So everybody's going to be doing it, whether that's the individual advisor, or whether that's the large um, you know enterprise yeah. financial ins- um, uh, financial services. Company. So get on board or get lost. Get on board or get lost. A little bit of that, and I th- I think also the uh, the shift with the new fiduciary rules is very big also for the market. I think that there's a realization in the market that we are, in fact, moving from a product manufacturing-based uh, investment management industry where we build products, we wholesale those products, and we sell them to the end client. That uh, that uh, business model is going the way of the dodo. Mm-hmm. I think that the new model is, is really around advice manufacturing. So that what that means really is being able to provide um, low-cost, very high-quality advice at scale to new markets um, as well as existing customer bases. Go figure. High quality advice. That's a new idea. It's pretty good, right? <laughs> <laughs> we came off, you know, I did this panel and looking at innovation technology. What did you think about some of that? I don't know if you were in there, but, or you know, what technologies, you know, do you see the financial industry embracing or should be embracing? So I think there is an ecosystem of, of a baseline of functionality that the um, both the small advisor as well as the large corporate um, a financial uh, corporate FI needs to look at. And, and really, quite simply, it's not just about embracing some of these technologies, but it's about integrating some of the technologies that already exist. Mm-hmm. So, so um, what that means is obviously the financial planning capability um, and being able to automate that. 
being able to um, integrate that financial planning capability into the um, portfolio management capability so that when uh, when I provide Corey with advice, I'm also being able to press the easy button and actually implement that advice into a portfolio, do all the monitoring on an ongoing basis. That's really critical and critical to what we do at our, at our business. Um, in addition to that, I think that the next piece is really around um, account aggregation and analytics. So the ability to um, allow us to see, you know, uh, Corey's uh, entire life in a, in a holistic manner. And that, so that means um, across all of your accounts, whether they're held with your institution or not. Um, and it also means being, being able to have a view of, the, of your money across um, both accounts, family members, your specific goals. And then, and then lastly, really quickly, is really around integrating the advisor experience and the client experience as one thing. So that ecosystem that I'm sort of describing is really, I think, the future of where wealth management is going. Is, is, the, is the data itself standardized across different institutions? Does, does J.P. Morgan data look the same as... As E-Trade data, as as a you know, as a Vanguard data. Yeah, great question. The answer is no. Um, so there is a lot of uh, data normalization that happens when uh, you use an account aggregation service, such as the one we have, um, where we're doing all the data normalization, the data pending, and then the analytics that goes on top of that. But it is that ecosystem, so that once something in Corey's life changes, we automatically know that in our system, and that can you know kick off a new forecast. It can it can kick off a new financial plan, and then if if required, actually kick off um, a so new portfolio. So if I switched to decaf, you would already, you would know already. We would know all of that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't see that happening. <laughs> what do you see happening in the regulatory environment? Um, obviously, it's it's been a it's been a wild couple of years in the, on the regulatory side. Um, uh, everybody, I think, knows the, the DOL story at, the, at this point. Um, or labor fiduciary rule. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And so um, for those that aren't following it uh, as closely, that it did go into effect um, by the skin of its teeth and on, on, uh, on June 10th. Um, it's not going to go into enforcement mode until January 1. Um, there's, there's already efforts. Um, mo- there's multiple efforts um, that have happened already, but there will be additional efforts to try to kill the fiduciary rule. Um, uh, separately, the SEC has come out and said that they're actually a proponent of doing a unified um, fiduciary standard across not just the retirement accounts, which is what the DOL rule is focused on, but across all account registration types, which ultimately makes a, a ton of sense. Well, it may, the rule itself is, makes a ton of sense, it seems to me. I think so. I know it's not popular in this room with 2,200 investment advisors. I've got the looking at me right now, but still. I, mean, I talked to a financial yeah. advisor who said, you know, this is going to increase my costs. It already is. And he said, you know, the bad guys do get kind of vetted out and filtered out, but yet there is still a lot of fraud. Yeah, I, I would back up and for the listener to just maybe to describe what it is. Uh, I mean, if you think about um, if your mother needs to, to go to the doctor's, um, you expect when she goes into the you know emergency room that the doctor is going to give her non-conflicted advice, correct? Right. Right. So that's basically what the fiduciary rule is, is asking the industry, the standard for the industry to be at when it's dealing with, you know, your your retirement money. So there's some to, standards, right? To be at this a level of best interest, um, you know, standard is really a, is a very big deal, and I think is clearly where the puck is going, irrespective of whether. It's this rule or another rule. Yeah, it, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. They could, they could, cl- you know, clean out some of the uh, complexity that exists in the rule, but ultimately, it's going to be there. Uh, great stuff, uh, Rob. Thank always to see you, Rob Forter, uh, the co-founder of Next Capital. Glad to see you here in San Diego. Great to see you guys. You've been listening to Bloomberg Markets on Bloomberg Radio. Corey co-founder Johnson. of Personal Capital too. Yes, um, uh, and uh, um, yes. 
all that too. All um, that stuff. We are here in San Diego at the Pershing Insight Conference uh, uh, here the, the, uh, um, and continue to look at these issues of the markets and investing. This is Bloomberg. <laughs>